0: to an all new episode of Wonder Filled Week. I'm your host, Caitlin Corey. On today's show, I have the honor of welcoming someone who I truly admire. I admire her as a fellow podcaster and a fellow woman navigating life and all it entails. I appreciate this woman's ability to connect, to relate, and to shine her light into the world. Nikki Boyer is the host of the powerful podcast, Dying for Sex the uplifting podcast, The Daily Smile, and is a co-host on the hilarious podcast, Straight Talk with Ross, with fellow Shining Star, Ross Matthews. I have never met Nikki, but through the stories she shares and the authenticity with which she presents herself, I feel like she's an old friend. Does that ever happen to you? I am inspired by Nikki's bravery to share some of the darkest chapters of her story with the world including fertility struggles and the loss of her dear friend, Molly, all while finding the beautiful silver linings, lessons and blessings of these deeply painful losses. Nikki exudes positivity, empathy, joy, kindness, support and effervescence. And that's all just through her podcasts. I can't imagine how dynamic she is to chat with personally. We're about to find out. Oh, and in addition to her podcast career, Nikki is also a three-time Emmy-winning host, an actress who appeared in such shows as Gilmore Girls, Angie Tribeca, 90210, and Malcolm in the Middle, to name a few. She is one half of the acoustic pop alternative band The Cardboard Cutouts with her fiancé Tommy, and she's also a life coach, who you could potentially work with if you visit talkitoutlifecoach.com. You can check out Nikki's podcasts on Wondery and keep up with all she's doing by following her on Instagram. At Nikki Boyer. Without further ado, let's welcome Nikki to the program. Welcome to Wonderfilled Week.
1: Hi. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for just inviting me and, and making this happen.
0: Absolutely. This is honestly like a dream come true. I feel like your voice is so familiar, but the fact that I'm engaging with you right now is <laughs> surreal to me. So oh, that's um, so nice. Yeah, I wanted to start by saying, as crazy as this sounds, I feel like I know you. And what I mean by that is, I listen to The Daily Smile, I listen to Straight Talk, I listen to Dying for Sex. And I feel like, oh, I know Nikki. Nikki's an old friend. Do you get that a lot? Do you feel, what do you see listeners in the wild? Do they be, are the they wild. like Nikki B?
1: <laughs> 100% like that. But in a weird way, I have to tell you, like, I kind of feel that way about you too. Like we have the same, Frame of reference, we listen to the same things. You get me in a way. I think I get you. If you get me, then we naturally probably get each other. So, in this weird way, I feel like I know you. Yeah. So when, right when I got on the call with you, I was like, hey. Oh, then hey, I was girl. like, oh, we've never met. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, we feel like we've met. So that's a nice compliment. Thank you for saying that. Oh, well, that.
0: I'm glad that you feel that way and that you've made me feel less crazy because of the intro oh, I was saying, <laughs> I feel like I know her. Does that happen to anybody else? I think when you listen to podcasts and there yeah. are certain ones with certain hosts that you're like, oh, I I see more of you. It's not mm-hmm. um, just the surfacey stuff. I really, you know, because you're so honest, you're so authentic. Yeah. And I think that's part of mm-hmm. it. Thank you for um, saying
1: that. Yeah. And there's something about someone telling their story to you, like so intimately in your ear, mm-hmm. right? Like it's there's something about a podcast where it's like right there, so close to you. It just feels very sacred. That's totally. about
0: that. And yeah. I'm super personal about my podcast listening. It's very like ritualistic for me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes my husband will say when I have my headphones on, "Oh, just you could just play it out loud." And I was like, "No,
1: <laughs> how dare you!
0: This is my time with my friends."
1: <laughs> like one. Hundred percent. That's so funny. I've never heard anyone articulate that, but I feel the same way too. I'm like, if even if I'm cooking, they're like, put it on Alexa. I'm like, oh, no. I say Alexa, then she starts talking to <laughs> She's me. She's going to join us, right? She'll <laughs> join us on the interview. But yeah, I'm like, no, 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 no. This is shh. Yes, yeah, this is, is my
0: time. Oh, I'm so, okay. I'm feeling less and less crazy as this goes. Right? <laughs> so that is just so great. Okay, Nikki, I truly feel like you have a zest for life, and you have a light that you are meant to shine into this world, and you are doing it with your mm-hmm. work. Did you always connect with people so easily? And were you always curious about the people in the world around you?
1: That is such a nice thing to say. Um, Thank you for saying that I'm a light, but you know, like this morning I woke up and I was like, seriously? is this really happening again? Like, I'm really open about my depression times, but I'm also open about my times when I feel like, oh my God, I can conquer the world. But to answer your question, I think I kind of came out like this. My mom always says like, you'd walk into a room and immediately you knew every stranger or you'd say hi. And I was very interested. I was a very curious kid, very outgoing. So I think I've kind of always been this way. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of it is just how I'm wired and then a lot of it is my mom um, just really encouraged me, My both my parents encouraged me to be very just independent. If you want something, you ask for it. Like that helicopter mom stuff that's going on these days, that did not fly in my house. So my mom was very much like, oh, you want to you wanna ask for extra cheese on your burger? You should wave down the waitress and have her come over and have a conversation and let her know. And I, so I learned very early on, like, ask for what you want. And be okay with like talking to strangers. I love talking to strangers. I, it's my I think
0: I think that's what makes you such a good podcast host, right? Because Aww. with Molly, and we'll get into this, you have mm-hmm. a 20 plus year friendship. But I feel like even when people come on straight talk or the daily smile, you're just, you can connect so easily. You, you make other people feel, and it comes off as an audience member that you've known them forever. So I think that's just a gift that's inside
1: of you. Well, thanks for saying that. That's really nice. Thank you.
0: Of course. And I really like your mom's style because my (laughs) background is in early childhood education and I am the same way. When I was a teacher, I was like, you've got to do it yourself. I'm a nanny now. And when the kids, if we go to McDonald's or wherever, I'm like, go order. Here's the money. Wait for a change. I really think those life lessons, they're actually, well, you're a perfect example of it paying off. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And the helicopter moms out there, give some space. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So I mentioned mentioned in the intro that you have three podcasts that you're part of. I like to call them the powerful podcast, the uplifting podcast, and your co-host on the hilarious podcast. And of course, each oh. of them has elements of the other as well. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So let's begin with dying for sex, what I call the powerful podcast. Okay. Tell us a little bit about how you and your best friend, Molly, came to the decision to record this podcast about Molly's journey after she was diagnosed with terminal cancer.
1: Well, we had been friends for many many years and then when the when the cancer diagnosis came and she decided to leave her husband um and sort of go on this sexual journey for herself, she moved very close to where I lived at the time, which in LA if you live, you know, a certain amount of distance away from each other, it's you're geographically like kind of undesirable, right? It's so hard to get around in LA. I don't know if everybody understands that, but she lived in Silver Lake. I lived in the Valley and it just felt like we were so far away. So when she moved into the Valley, it was like, oh, oh, we get to see each other all the time. So we started going on these lunches, very many, many lunches. And she started telling me these stories of these sexual escapades and these adventures that she was having. And um, they were riveting. I was like, my mouth was hanging open. We were having breakfast, you know, talking about, all the things that she did the night before and that she did that morning before i picked her up and i we pulled up to a stoplight right in in Sherman oaks and i was sitting there and i said i think this is there's something here and she's like what do you mean and i'm like i think there's a show here about what you're navigating through the death and the sex and how they're related and i think it's called dying for sex and she was like "Oh." Like and was the like, light
0: bulb went off. That was it.
1: Just there. And then it went we went three we pitched it to some TV companies, production companies. We tried to do a blog. We thought about a podcast and then we paired up with some friends of mine at a production company and they were like, let's just record something to get this down and get it, you know, on on tape. It's not tape, it's digital, but you know what I mean.
0: I still say that that too.
1: People that are my age are like, oh, get it on tape. But you know (laughs) what I mean, like get it down somewhere. And so we recorded the episodes and I'm so grateful that we did because it wasn't long after that, that Molly ended up going into the hospital. So those recording days were like such a gift and it turned into what we now have as dying for sex
0: yeah. and dying for sex before anyone you know makes any judgments about the title or thinks that they have a clue about what it's about it's so much deeper than sex it's so much deeper than mm-hmm. the title it's a story of friendship exploration love life death it's there's so much in there it was truly truly remarkable i was Thank sobbing you. as i listened to the finale my husband walked in and he's like are you okay and I, once again <laughs> the personal side of the podcast i'm like i'm <laughs> in my world listening to my friends and it's emotional so <laughs> um what i loved about the podcast is i felt like we as the audience had this unprecedented opportunity to be like sort of like a fly on the wall mm, as mm-hmm. you and molly shared these deeply personal your feelings about things, you know? Life, death, like I mentioned, hope, fear, but mostly friendship. That was what was really jumping out at me. And I was truly blown away. Now, Mm -hmm. your friendship was no surface friendship. This is 20 odd years of being there for one another in the high highs and the low lows. And of course during this time it was one of it was the deepest of lows for Mm -hmm. you from Molly. I know you were both going through different things at that time. Uh what range of emotions did you experience during recording? And now that Mm. some time has passed and you've had some time to reflect on it, what do you feel now when you think about the recording in that time? How how Mm. How have your feelings changed?
1: They've just, I think perspective is so interesting. Like when you're in it, you're a little bit on autopilot, right? Like when Molly and I, so the range of emotions that we would experience just naturally on our friendship were very, like we had lots of inside jokes. We laughed a lot. We would take an inside joke and like run it into the ground until it was just not even funny anymore, but then hilarious to us. Um, And if I tried to explain any of those to you, you'd be like, what? (laughs) Um, But we all have friendships like that, right? Those are the best friendships. the best. And we be, we had been through divorces, we had been through um losses, we had been through parents sick, we had been through careers crumbling, we had just been through a lot together. And um the lowest of lows were, you know, her her diagnosis of, of stage four. When someone tells you that you are metastatic, I didn't really know what that meant when she first told me, but metastatic. Means you're terminally ill. There is nothing that can get you out of stage four back into stage three, right? You can't go backwards in your stages. I mean, and for the breast cancer community, I'm apologizing if I'm getting some things a little wonky, but you can live a very long time with stage four. But I believe the average is like three to five years. So it puts a stamp on your life of like this is your timeline. It could be a little longer. It could be shorter. We don't know. But when she found that information out, I remember it being like one of those moments that like I couldn't breathe and then there were lots of moments on the floor with her being as ill as I've ever seen anybody. but then there were moments where she seemed just okay and and I took both of them in stride. Now that you to answer your question about the looking back, you know huh, hindsight, I was pretty present with her for most of it, but I wished. Just telling my fiance this the other day, I wished I would have huh, how do you say this made m- things more special. Molly was fine with just hanging out with me on the couch, but like if I would have known it was going to be her last Thanksgiving or her last Christmas, I would have like ugh, just done anything for her. And I don't think because I was so in it with her, I don't think I knew that that was going to be her last Christmas. So my takeaway from this is that. You never know when your last moment's going to be, so try to just give it as much as you can and and do it if you've got something you want to do. If there's something that's pending for you and you're waiting for the quote-unquote right time, like get at it and do it now. So there, the perspective has shifted a little, and I wished I would have soaked her up a little bit more, even though we were together so often, but being in that recording room with her and sitting across from her and working with her, like really working together as best friends, that was just so amazing and rewarding for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you know that, do you know that you're such an amazing friend? oh my god thank you do you consider yourself that i mean i was listening and and molly's story is so captivating and people have to subscribe and listen it's it's really like life-changing to listen because what you're saying is great life advice for for everyone else who's not involved so everyone can take something from it but what kept jumping out at me is i was like nikki you just know what to say you know i know you guys had the gallows humor i think it was called you could kind of go in that dark way and and joke around because you have to you're in like survival mode but then there were times that I was like, oh, what would I have said in that situation? I might have been like Pollyanna and like, it'll be okay. It's fine because that's more of my nature. But sometimes you'd just be like, fuck, this is terrible. Right. Like, this is awful. And I was like, oh, see, that's what I love about Nikki. She's honest. She's going to just say like, this sucks. Right. She's not going to try to like sugarcoat it, make you feel better. She's like, this just sucks. And I'm just here with you. And I was like. We all need to be friends like Nikki. Like we all could take a lesson from
1: you. That's so nice to hear. I didn't know what to say sometimes. I was at a loss for words, but my favorite thing to say is when you're at a loss for words is, I don't know what to say, right? And sometimes I just, you just don't say anything. You just are and you just be, but I screwed up sometimes and I can be, listen, I can, I'm pretty pretty nice person but I can be a real bitch. Like I can turn on a dime and Molly knew that about me. So she could sense that I was starting to turn. She'd be like, "Oh, oh, here we go." Uh-oh. So I think <laughs> I think what I loved about Molly is that she just really allowed me to be very much my full most truthful version, most authentic version of myself. And when someone allows you to space the space to be that, it's kind of easy to be a good friend. So she was pretty amazing too. So so I take Absolutely. the compliment, but I also um you know, I think it's because of what she brought brought out in me. I try, you know. I can get a little judgy.
0: Well, I was gonna talk about yeah, we'll talk about that too. And and I, I appreciated that when you did have judgments and, and you would would admit this is a judgment. I'm sorry, I'm feeling this way. And sometimes I even in straight talk, your other podcast that you're a co-host of, sometimes your what I'm feeling, right? So when you're saying things, I'm like, oh yeah, that's. I'm glad she said that because like I was kind of feeling a little judgy, and I felt bad about feeling judgy. <laughs> but like she's admitting it, and it's okay. And but then what I appreciated is, then when she would explain something to you, or you would really like speak to some of the men that she was with you got a different perspective and you were open and willing to change your judgments and say, Oh, I was just being judgy, but now I, I kind of get it more. Yeah. And so your open mindedness, I think was something that was really admirable, but I think, uh, Molly allowed that space for you to be yourself and you allowed that for her. And I think that was sort of like why it worked so well and why you guys were such good, good friends.
1: Yeah. Thanks for noticing that.
0: Yeah. Whatever you're feeling about, you know, not making things special, you know that's human i think we're going to feel like we always fall short but something that you did do is you helped molly realize her dream of sharing her story and i know mm-hmm. i can already tell that even if only two people were going to listen you were finishing this project you were getting this podcast out whether it was just even if it was just me listening but it wasn't right. okay so <laughs> that was not the case molly's story has been shared it has reached countless people from single men to other women battling cancer did you know molly's story was going to have such a big impact
1: no I mean, I knew it was profound and I knew it was amazing. And I knew once Wondery got their hands on the raw recordings, and I teamed up with my producer Stephanie Jens being my my executive producer and at Wondery, she and I dug into this so deeply that I knew something magical was happening. I I I had never Seen anyone so curious and interested as Stephanie was when she dove into this with, and we started working together. I mean, we'd spend five, six hours on the phone talking about one little paragraph that I was going to narrate and how to get the right. I mean, so much heart and soul went into this. So she was just amazing. And I think about halfway through recording, when I would listen back to the, you know, they'd send me a take and they'd be like, what do you think of, you know, the first 30, 40 minutes? And I was like, I think in that moment, I started to realize this is really special. And even though Molly's not here, I feel like she is, like she is telling her the ripple effect felt so powerful. So I thought it would do well. I thought like, okay, some people that do listen to this and find it will be moved and inspired. But I had no idea that almost 6 million people would listen. I had no idea that every day new listeners would come. I had no idea that people would email me, text me, Facebook me. I mean, I every day i get 3 to 4 to 5 emails that are just the most heartwarming beautiful things i've ever read so so i didn't know really but i have to say i'm i'm not surprised because i think what she tapped into was really really unique molly was very unique
0: really unique yeah. you're so right about that now We are sharing that Molly has since passed since the podcast is out, um, unfortunately, but Molly did finish her memoir and that is available. People can, that was her goal and and she reached that goal even if someday she had to crawl and couldn't run, but she got to that finish line and Molly's memoir is available online for people to get. I can't wait for mine to come. Um, I know it's taken a long time. Oh, there it is. Yes, it's
1: called yeah, here it is. I can't believe this is a picture of her. When I mean, for those that are listening, you won't see it, but it's a picture of her in a little, like a ballet outfit. And she's got her arms wide open. And the name of the book is Screw Cancer Becoming Whole. And it's her memoir. And she wrote this in her hospital bed. I mean, she wrote a couple of chapters from the coffee shop down the street, but the majority of it was written from the place where she actually took her final breath. And I think that's it's a deeper, darker dive. I think it's a good pairing for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So if you've listened and you want more, it's, it's, I think it's really inspiring. And I think you'll like it.
0: Absolutely. I'm excited for my copy to come. Now, since we are sharing that Molly has passed, I yeah. can ask you this. What has Molly's passing taught you about life?
1: Mm. Oh my gosh. Don't wait until it's too late like make the bucket list and do those things now because you don't really ever know when your end is going to come. And I know that's so incredibly cliche, but the question that always comes up to me is what are you going to do with the time that you have left? And I ask myself that, you know, what are you, what are you doing with the time that you have left? And we don't know how much time we have left. Like we always used to joke. I'd be like, well, I could die before you. And she's like, well, yeah, you could, but most likely I will. But And she would say, well, come on, we're all dying. And it's a really morbid way to look at things, but it also kind of shifts perspective when you're like, 'We're if we're all dying, you better get busy living, right? Like you better figure this out. So if there's something you want to do, or there's a trip that you feel like might break your bank account, or you don't have that extra four grand, I'm like, put it on a credit card and go see the world, you know, when things get back to normal go do something. If you want to surprise somebody in another state, buy the ticket, book the trip, pack your bag and go. If you want to put your feet in the ocean, then like drive to it. I know it's so silly, but like she really encouraged me to kind of light a little bit of a fire under my butt. And not only all these things to do, but just be okay too. If If your idea of What you're dying for is just to be with the people you love and sit and snuggle up on the couch with your dog. If that's your version of the bucket list, then do that. Like find out what makes you happy and do it over and over and over again.
0: Absolutely. And I felt that not even being in it, but just as a listener, I was like, wow, Molly did reference a few times in the podcast Well, we're all dying. And, you know, like you said, it is morbid, but I was like, well, she's not wrong. And, you know, it's really the arrogance of life to think like, oh, I'll do that in five years or like that's in my 10 year, you know, list. Of things to get done, but you're totally right. And and I think that's a beautiful lesson. And I don't know why all the cliche things make so much sense when you're actually, when something actually happens to so you, you're like, wait, it's actually not cliche. It's actually so true. Yeah,
1: totally. 100%. <laughs> uh, right.
0: Well, something that you said in an episode of Dying for Sex is, life is so messy, but it's beautiful too. And that really resonated with me. Mm. How do you combat hardships and remain positive to see the beautiful side of life through the messy? And I don't just mean with Molly's passing, but I know you've experienced other loss in fertility. I know you lost your father. Mm -hmm. Um, You've been on many, you know, you've had many journeys. And how do you sort of stay positive during all these hardships, even now with COVID? Right. How are you sort of pivoting to stay positive?
1: The first thing is I give myself permission to not be positive when I don't need to be or when I don't want to be, right? There's nothing more upsetting and more frustrating than forcing the bullshit, right? Like, oh, everything happens for a reason. Like if you're not in that space, then don't say that stuff to yourself. Cause it's like, if you're going to be there and you're going to be in the mess, then be in the mess. And then you let it wash over you and you feel it. And then, and then you pick yourself up and you go, but if you rob yourself of fully processing the grief and the sadness and the feelings, then you're putting a giant pause button. And then it's going to come out when you least expect it. Like when you're in a grocery store line and you're frustrated with some stranger. And then all of a sudden you're like crying. You're like, what's happening? Well, it's because you're not processing the stuff when it comes up. So I'm But the first thing is give yourself permission to not be positive when you're not feeling it, but also put your big girl panties on when it's time and and lean into the positivity. So for me, I have this thing in my um, life coaching that I always say to my clients, which is, I truly believe that in our heart space, when we're carving out space within ourselves for grief, for sadness, for loss, we are carving that equal amount of space in our heart for the capacity of joy and love and life. So when we're crumbled up on the bathroom floor, I look at that as like you're carving out space for good, even though it doesn't feel like that in the moment. So I try to have balance. But if I feel it, I feel it. And I also can tell when my bullshit meter goes off and when it's time to stop sitting in the pity party and when it's time to like go outside, shift your energy, get on your bike, put your feet in the grass, go breathe some air. Like, you know, I feel like if you can get in tune with yourself to know when the pity party's over and when to go do something engaging. I think that's a real good lesson. And I kind of learned that a little bit through Molly.
0: Yeah. Okay. I feel like I just got like a talk it out with Nikki exclusive. I'm taking that with me when I'm feeling horrible. I'm like, I'm just carving out space for something good to come. Nikki told me, (laughs) but it's so true. And I like that because then, you know, you're in this like horrible moment and you have to feel it and you should feel it, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to pass and you know, something good is going to come in that in, in place of that. And I think that's really beautiful.
1: True. And it's just expanding your capacity. Like if you can feel deep, deep grief, then girl, you got the capacity for even deeper, deeper joy. So I just try to, you know, trick myself into that.
0: Okay. I love that. Okay. I mentioned before that you emit a bright light into this world. And another way you shine your light is through your other wondering podcast, The Daily Smile. I call this one the uplifting podcast. So this podcast has been incredibly helpful for me. I like to listen to it again privately, (laughs) privately. Um, either out on my balcony in the morning to like set my tone for the day or sometimes oh, if I nice. can help it, I save it for myself to listen to before bed because you know how like when you're on your phone before bed right. and you're like thinking of all the terrible things and the COVID and the this and that in the world it's just crazy I'm like no the daily smile like so if I can stop myself from, <laughs> if I can stop myself from listening in the morning I have something to listen to at night but
1: oh Caitlin I love that
0: Tell me, how did the daily smile come to be, and has the pace of releasing them every day sort of added structure for you, or do you, like, bank some, and how does that work? Like, to me, I think doing something daily would add structure to this structureless time, but... How does it work and how did it come to be
1: so it came to be so I, when i was finishing up dying for sex um hernan lopez who is the ceo of Wondery, he he's like we have gotta find something else for you and i was like okay i would love that i love to work um so they were pitching around and tossing around this idea of a daily show that was just something good and then COVID hit so i kind of assumed it was not going to happen um it wasn't going to move forward but then they called and they're like no this is going it's daily and we would love for you to host it and i was like oh my gosh I, when all my friends were losing their jobs you know crumbling a little bit i got this gift of like oh here's a steady job not only is it steady but it's uplifting and good and i was so grateful and i still am but it's an everyday show i just did an interview like an hour ago with an upcoming episode of the Boston typewriter orchestra didn't even know it existed. Oh,
0: I'm from Boston, and I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> there
1: you go. Well, you'll have to listen to the episode. So I'm getting to meet these really inspirational, cool people. Some of the stories are quirky and ridiculous. Some of them are like, like really intense and, and and moving, and have a uh, you know a, a silver lining. And some of them are just like positivity and goodness that's being spread in the world. So. I, yeah, it's every day and it does provide me structure. That's a great question. Like it gives me, I know every day I've got an interview, I've got some voiceovers to do and I get to like work. Thank God for that right now. Cause I don't know what I would be doing. if I wasn't working. I'd probably be, I might be losing it. You'd be, I'd be calling you and being like, Hey Caitlin, can you hook me up with some life coaching? Cause I'm about to lose my shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, I'm glad it's such a blessing. And I came up at the perfect time. It's so funny that it was to me, that it was happening before COVID. Yeah. I thought it was in reaction to COVID. No, it's So perfect. I thought it was like something like, okay, now's the time, but it just worked out perfectly.
1: Yeah, it was so organic. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love
0: that. Okay, and then finally, I want to touch on your life coaching services. Talk It Out with Nikki Aww. is one of your latest passion projects. So what inspired you to go into this field, and how's it going during COVID? Have you had to pivot, more demand because people are needing more help, or do you have to do a virtual format? How is that all working with COVID?
1: Well, I love you for asking that. So yeah, it is talk it out life coach, because I do believe that sometimes if you just hold on to things and you're not actually saying it out loud and kind of releasing it a little bit, um, then you're just holding on to it. And then you're having conversations with yourself in your head. And that's, you know, that's just, it's nice to let some air out of the balloon and release some space. So, I've been wanting to do this for years. I've always been the person that people come to because I'm really positive and loving, but I'm also a straight shooter. Like I loved, I love calling myself and other people out on their bullshit. I think that's really freeing. And I love that, that I can do that in a loving way. Um, so Talk It Out came because I was watching that um, Leah Remini Scientology documentary. Mm. And I thought it was just fascinating. And it was an episode around suicide. And at the end, end of the episode, they flashed the Suicide Prevention Center number um, on the screen. And I thought, huh, I've never called that number. I've never been suicidal, but I'm going to call and just see. So I called the Suicide Prevention Center number and I, the person answered the phone. I was like, there are people that answer the phone and do this. So I called and I said, direct me to where I go to become a, 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 a hotline, how I can answer these calls. So I went through the training of Suicide prevention center. I answered the phones every Sunday for four or five hours for months on end. I went through all the training and I remember thinking, my my, my supervisor there said, Nikki, you stay on the phone for too long with these people. And I was like, what? And they're like, it's a crisis line. If you're calling and you're a high risk, then we're there for you. But if you're not high risk, you have to move on to the next caller because that person could be very high risk. And I kept I could never get off my calls. And so I thought, how do I give of myself and be of service in an area that's not super high risk, but I do have the suicide prevention training. How do I do that? And then I found life coaching. So yeah, oh, it's kind of this sense. weird thing that happened. Yeah. So and connection I life- is your thing. <laughs> totally my thing. And I remember <laughs> being at the suicide prevention center answering calls and Molly would say, can I call? And like, get on the line with you. And I'm like, no, you cannot request me at the suicide prevention line. You cannot do that. She's like, can I try? I'm like, no. (laughs) Now that I've
0: listened to the whole series, that is classic Molly, I feel like. (laughs) Can I request you? I'm like, just call me on the phone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is too funny.
1: Just that's how it came about. And yes, there is a very high demand right now. I am very Honored to be doing this every single day, um, and I'm very busy doing it, and I love it, and it's just really helping me stay on track with my own mental health as well. So, if anybody listening out there, I did want to say this: the Suicide Prevention Center is for crisis only, but they do have something called a warm line. So, if you call a Suicide Prevention Center and you ask to speak someone on the warm line, meaning it's not a crisis line, if you can't afford therapy, you need to reach out in a moment. you're having a moment that seems outside of you and you can't get through it, there are other resources out there. So don't be afraid to call the Suicide Prevention Center to ask for resources because they are there for you. So please reach out.
0: Wow. And you know, all of the times I've seen people, you know, putting up the suicide number, whether it's for Suicide Awareness Month or whatever the case may be, I've never heard of that. So that's so interesting. and I think that could be really helpful to people, like you said, who can't afford therapy right now and just are really feeling, you know feeling it, but not that dire sense where they would call the, that's so amazing. Wow. I love that. What I love about all your projects, they are all passion projects. I don't think you do anything halfway and I don't think you really do anything you don't (laughs) want to do. Everything comes organically for you. That's what it seems like. And maybe that's why it's so successful because Mm -hmm. every single thing we're talking about, whether it's your podcast, whether it's life coaching, it just all makes sense. It's all organic. Oh, and I think that's you. why people connect with you because it's authentic. And I think that's what's
1: key is authenticity. That's so nice to, to hear. And it's funny because as I've gotten older, being um, 45 years old, it's like, yeah, I don't spend much time doing things I don't wanna do. And that's a, that's a good thing. But but all the things that I am doing, um, it's funny. I don't think I even thought of it that way until you just said it. Yeah, they all, I'm, I have to be passionate to do it. Cause if not, then I'm like, what what am I doing? <laughs> Why? Why would I do that?
0: Well, now your fiance is going to be really sure that you want to marry him because you don't do things you don't want to do. So (laughs) Ah, perfect, right? I love it. Hey Caitlin. Okay, so I'm a. I love it. Oh my god! I'm. I can't believe this is happening. I'm still like (laughs) blushing. Okay, so I am a former third grade teacher, and I don't like to say I'm assigning homework because it feels like a punishment. So Mm -hmm. I like at the end of my podcast to say that I'm just giving some fun extension activities. So I'm (laughs) going to provide some fun extension activities now for the listeners. So one, follow Nikki on Instagram at Nikki Boyer, Mm N-I-K-K-I-B-O-Y-E-R. Download and subscribe to The Daily Smile, Dying for Sex, and Straight Talk with Ross, of course. Yeah. Um, buy Molly's memoir called Becoming Whole. It's available on wondery.fm slash Molly's Memoir. Visit Nikki's website, NikkiBoyer.com. Check out Nikki's life coaching. Talkaboutlifecoach.com. Oh All the things. Those are just extension activities, not homework. It's extension fun when it's an activities. extension activity. Oh, my God.
1: Can I steal that?
0: Steal I it, please. that.
1: So in my life coaching, I give homework, but now I'm like, oh, extension activities.
0: It has a negative connotation. You know, we don't like to say homework. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, Nikki, I can't thank you enough for joining me today on Wonderfilled Week and sharing so much with us. You are truly a beautiful soul. Mm -hmm. And since you continuously inspire me through your work and your words, even today, um, I even put up an Instagram post of something you said on today's Daily Smile.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I don't even remember Um, saying that. Thank you for that.
0: Yes, well, it just really resonated with me and as do many things that you say. So I thought it would be fitting um, to let you have the final say today, the final word. So it's an incredibly difficult year for everyone. What message of hope would you like to leave with the listeners today?
1: Mm. Don't be afraid to do little things because they add up to big things. And so when you feel like you can't change the world, just change something in your world because the ripple effect of goodness and taking care of yourself as an individual it's like putting your own you know mask on before the oxygen mask before take care of you as much as you can and don't be afraid to do the little things because they will add up over time because i do believe that our thoughts that we have turn into our actions our actions then become our habits and then our habits become our way of life but it all starts with like a little like a little tiny movement so don't ever go to bed saying you know, I didn't do enough. It's like, just look at what you did do and see how you want to add on to that. But little things make big movements. That's that's my thing.
0: I'm going to remember that for sure, because I know I can be super hard on myself, but I'm going to take this and listen back to this episode and say little things add up. Yeah, they
1: do. And Caitlin, I have to say, you are so good at this. You ask the best questions. You're so thoughtful. You're stunning to look at. I mean, that's the <laughs> cherry on top, but you're so good at this. And thank you for including me in in your show and being interested in, in all the things I'm doing. And of course in Molly, because she's I think she's shining down on us right now. She loves that we're talking about her. (laughs) She loves it. She's laughing
0: with us.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Um, Well,
0: it won't take up any more of your time, but I have to say this was a dream realized for me today. So thank you, Nikki. I really, really
1: appreciate Mm it. I'm sending you the biggest hug possible. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh
1: my God. I love
0: her so much.
1: Sitting under the tree with our names above. I can't seem to get my head around